Hello and welcome into the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. I'm Mike Graham, joined as always by Brian Navarrete. It's week six and it's it's a packed week. Uh, and before we get going, just want to remind everyone this show is brought to you by the University Medical Center and powered by AJ Media. Brian, how's it going today? It's going well. Uh, last week we had some teams that, you know, everything became very real for them entering district. And now we have uh, maybe even twice as much teams coming into this season doing the exact same or into this week doing the exact same thing well agreed and you know it's kind of an interesting week because we've got some really good games but then we have a lot of teams off that are that are in that transition period between non-district and district um but one one team and actually two teams that are still going through non-district play are uh Lubbock Estacado and, and Shallow Water, and this is a this is a big Thursday night game, and this is a game that's available to everyone since it's on Thursday night. It's Shallow Water two, four win teams. Estacado is four and one. Shallow Water is four and zero. Oh. This is, I believe, Shallow Water's uh, it, it's Shallow Water's first game against a four A opponent, having played a five A last week in, in Lubbock High, and and for Estacado, this is their first drop down beyond four uh, A. They've only played five A teams up to this point, so really nice measuring stick, especially for Shallow Water. Yeah, this is going to be uh, it's going to be a real test for shallow water because I think we were talking about it last week with Lubbock High, uh, with how many players you're able to bring into the pole, they might have a height advantage or you know a size advantage in the trenches, and I think that goes even more so for Estacado than it did for Lubbock High last week. Shallow water is going to be dealing with a lot bigger boys up front, uh, offensively and defensively. They're going to be tough to kind of battle in the trenches, I would say, and then they're very. Their matchup problems on the outside, uh, two capable running backs. I think shallow water. This is like you had mentioned. This is going to be a good measuring uh, as to where they're going to be, you know, moving forward. And if they're able to go out there and actually compete with Estacado, I mean, sky's the limit for shallow water. I think that'd be huge. And and I think the keys for for shallow water. They they lost a star player in, in Kobe Wood last week. We're not exactly sure what his status is, but he left uh, the Lubbock High game, and they they put an air cast on him as a precaution. Uh, so not not sure how long he's out, if he's out in, if he's out permanently, if he's out indefinitely, or if, if he'll play in this game. But we're under the impression right now that he will not play in this game. And, and that's too bad because uh, Estacado is solid up the middle uh, defensively. Uh, and I think that that's just something that Shallow Water is going to have to embrace in this game is, is running the ball and, and limiting Estacado's possessions with positive yardage. I, I think that it, the most important thing is to keep an explosive Estacado offense off the field as much as possible. I think that's exactly right. That's exactly what you need to do. Keep the ball on your side. Uh, Maintain possession, grind out the clock, and uh, just kind of, like you said, just keep it away because that offense, as we saw last week, can do some big things. And there are some things you really like about the shallow water offense and and their their running ability. Cutter Sparks, the quarterback, uh, not a bad player to, to, you know, be touching the ball in every single play ran really well against uh, level land in the game I got to see of him I believe he went off for about 100 yards in that one and, and it was a nice throwing night for him too and we know he's got the capability to run the ball there's some good backs behind him and they utilize an h-back every once in a while too yeah when you talk about the backs that they have you also have Brody Hendrick and Zach Aragon who actually led the Mustangs I believe in their win over Lubbock High which when we talk about you know matchups and things like that, being able to run the ball in a 5A with you being a 3A, I think that's, that's just telling us to how complete that offense could be with Cutter Sparks and then two running backs behind him, kind of mixing it all up and being able to move the ball. But like you said, possession is going to be key in this game. Uh, 84-0 to zero point over um, Lakeview. That's what Estacado posted last week. That 
is a big number, and that's what you want to avoid. Yeah, Estacado's got to have a lot of confidence. They've beat their opponents by uh, far more than 100 to 0 the past two weeks. 134 points to 0. They played Lubbock High uh, the week prior to playing San Angelo Lakeview and and blanked both those teams. And and now here they are dropping down two classifications for this game. But I I think that – I think Shallow Water is going to get on the board in this one. Yeah, uh, when we talk about learning lessons in the games before you hit district, I think this might be one of them. Um, You get a good gauge as to what a playoff atmosphere or maybe a playoff team might look like in Estacado down the line. Let's say Shallow Water makes it down and they end up facing, you know, a bigger 3A. They might be dealing with the same situation where they're going to have to really grind it out. Um, Estacado coming into it, uh, two shutouts. They're off two back-to-back shutouts. you got to believe that defense is just has a lot of momentum and they're feeling pretty excited coming into this one. Um, I think in, in either locker room, you're not underestimating the other and uh, you're, you're expecting the best from both teams. And I think that's what we're going to see on uh, Thursday night, which, you know, I'm glad this, this came out to a Thursday night. I might be able to go myself. I won't be covering, but I get to enjoy it. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, Lubbock High is off from LISD. Estacado is at Shallow Water. Monterey is, is visiting Stephenville. But Lowry Field still has a really good game. Andrews, the Andrews Mustangs, 4-1, and coming to visit Coronado, 4-0. And, and I think Andrews has established itself uh, once again as one of the you know, it's not in the Lone Star Varsity area, but like one of one of the uh, one of West Texas's most solid Class Four A programs. Yeah, and I think that's been kind of years in the making, if not already established. Maybe five, six years ago, that Andrews was a good football team. They've always, in the last couple of years, I believe, last year, uh, they've given Leveland a good game uh, when Leveland was putting up big numbers and they're coming into this one, like you said, four and one. That's not a bad record at all. Um, Coronado has leaned on its defense a little bit in its last game or so. Uh, But then again, they were off again this last week. There's no telling what they might be bringing back in terms of, you know, maybe they had some kids sitting out with injuries or anything like that. They're 100%. I mean, I wouldn't say 100%, but I would say they're healthier than they would have been a week ago. And uh, I think they're ready to come out and keep playing. When you're sitting undefeated, what you want to keep doing is continue to be undefeated. And I think that's what they're kind of aiming for. And it's so interesting talking with the kids because every time they win a game and they remain undefeated, yeah, that's great and all. But at the end of the day, you know, there's another game to play and they're ready for it. I like the attitude over at Coronado. I think that coming out of this open date, the biggest emphasis for uh, Coach Seth Parr, probably the thing that he harped on the most was that the offense needs a, a faster start than they've been getting their past three games. It's, it's, it's been kind of like watching a jumbo jet take off um you know just it, a long runway and then they get going but it, it takes a while to get there um but we know they've got the players they they have a very talented uh, quarterback in quay gray and, and probably the best receiving core i think out of out of all teams at any level uh in the lubbock area this season um and they did get off to a, a decent start in their their past game which you were able to see i think it took uh, about a quarter for them to get going in that one uh, but they did and, and once they did they were tough to stop so I, I, you know, you know that the tools are there. You just want to, you want to hit it on drive number one or drive number two. And this might be the game to do it. Uh, this might be the game where they need that to kind of happen for them and kind of unfold for them, because uh, after this, it's district. After this game, there's uh, like all coaches say, it's back to zero zero. That's when the games count. This is their last non-district game, and you would love to see your offense finally catch fire before you start, you know, your district slate. 
And uh, Andrews, I, I guess in terms of some playmakers there, you know, just on the other side of the spectrum a little bit, uh, their quarterback is not having uh, – he's having a great season, rather. Jace Kesey, I believe is his name. He's already sitting at 1,343 yards and um, 17 touchdowns. So he's been putting up some big numbers for him. So he – the Coronado's secondary might get uh, some – worked out a little bit. And what I'm thinking is, based on Coronado's – resume that they've turned in through four games is that the, the defense is the the stronger side of, of, of their team to date and um good on good in this game will be the andrews offense which i believe is is beating most if not all of it all of its wins have come by double digits going up against coronado and you got miguel garcia trey stevens and an athletic secondary not to mention just the athletic players uh surrounding garcia and stevens on the front um in terms of that, you know, if you can get Miguel Garcia and, you know, those other defensive linemen to get to the quarterback, then you're taking him out of the factor entirely, I think. Um, you're able to get him off balance, and it won't matter if he's throwing it downfield or not because you th- he won't be able to kind of focus on any one target. Not that he does because looking at the stats, he, all his wide receivers get worked. So he's a pretty intelligent quarterback, but if you're able to get him off – you know, his balance and uh, off focus, then uh, I think Coronado's defense is looking for another big game, which I'm expecting. I'm expecting from him. I agree with you. I, th- I think they've kind of got a good high-low setup where the, the coverage men are, are good in coverage and, and the, the front can bring pressure and, and succeeds frequently. And uh, I think the most important thing for them in this game, uh, like you said, is going to be rattling Kesey. Uh, I think that um, you know, when, when you disrupt him a couple of times, he starts to lose confidence and becomes more hasty, uh, forces balls, um, you know, is, is more susceptible to being sacked, uh, more susceptible to be running out of bounds, and more susceptible to throwing interceptions. Yeah, he's going to be the one to stop, I think, coming into this game, or at least slow down. Uh, some quarterbacks, you know, are just able to do some big things even under pressure. So if not stopped and slow down, and then offensively, like we were saying, just get off to a hot start, you know, kind of like you, you had always planned. We're going to take a break from discussing our top four games this week because uh, we've got an uh, important person on the line right now. It's Lamisa coach Rodney Sims, the Golden Tornadoes. They're 3-1 and one off of an 0-9 season with their first-year coach, uh, and he's got some really interesting things to share about just the turnaround. Coach Sims, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Well, Coach, you're off to a, a three and one start off of a zero and nine season. What do you think's been the biggest difference between these two seasons? Well, I, I really can't speak to you know what has happened here in the past, uh, but what I can speak to is is what I'm witnessing now in terms of our kids' commitment level. You know, just kind of I spoke today at the uh, Kiwanis Club and and listening to some of the guys who have been in the community. For the past 20 years, some guys 30, and uh, just listening to their comparisons, in in you know in comparison to mine, you know there is some night and day type uh, you know connections there. But you know I'm I'm just proud of our kids, and and you know my big concern and my philosophy is just making sure that we worry about us. You know we're we're not you know going week to week or looking down the road. We're just trying to uh, go out every day and and become the best that we can become. Understood, Coach. Uh, you know, looking back at the last four games, excluding uh, the one with New Deal, you guys have put up 40 points or more on offense. Where have you guys found your strength in that area? 
Well, you know what? we It's a new system, number one. And so you're going to have some bumps and bruises, you know, just looking back at New Deal and, and learning from that, both as a coaching staff and as, as our players, as we talk about, is just making sure that, you know, we keep the focus on what the bigger picture is. And that's ultimately, you know, the state playoffs. That That's every coach's goal. That That's every kid's dream. So, uh, you know, for us to put that in perspective with New Deal, you know, New Deal has a great program, you know, and, and so, you know, you haven't arrived yet. You know, we go out and win game one and we come back game two. And, you know, we kind of have our, our faults. A lot of it was offensively. But uh, we went back to the drawing board and just made a, a lot more, you know, clear with some things that we needed to do different. And we even skimmed back a few things just to make sure that we had – you know, quality over quantity, so to speak. So that that was the biggest adjustment for us. And, I, you know, and, and it's worked out well for us. Understood. Uh, you know, kind of looking at uh, just some stats that we get, you know, uh, weekly, it seems like Jace Burleson has really uh, rose to the occasion there at the running back spot and has done really good things for you guys. You know, Jace is, is an experienced guy. You know, when you come out of a Veer-type offense, you know, just looking back at what they did last year, you know, the Veer is a tough. Of course, I played at Midland Lee years ago and, and have been in a system similar uh, to that with the midline and the Veer and so, to, you know, those type things. But it's tough football. And one thing now, when you go to more of a spread type type offense, then you find as a running back, and I'm an old running back myself, where, you know, everything is a little bit more spread. You know, there's more seams in there to run through. You have to run with your eyes. But uh, he, he has. He's been, been a valuable part of this whole thing moving forward i just wanted to go back on you you talked about installing a new offensive system and i'm i'm guessing it was probably tailored for these kids what did you see from the kids and and what are the principles of your system that you brought to them well you know first off i think with any system that you go into it's more about personnel getting kids in the right spots that fit more of what you know what we're doing both from a defensive standpoint and an offensive standpoint so you know, where we may have had a tight end or two, you know, from the old system, those guys may, you know, in, in our system, they're nose guards and, and uh, defensive ends. You know, where we had receivers that were a little heavier last year for that that power-type run game, you know, now we're, we're moving with, you know, a, a thinner-type kid, you know, bigger kids on the outside in terms of blocking purposes, so – you know, it, it's molding and personnel. Not Again, you have any coach on, on you guys' podcast, I think you'll find that, you know, personnel is everything. And so now the magic comes when you get that kid to actually understand what his, what his position and job is at that new position. So we've had some success doing that. And then finally, you've got Sweetwater. Fortunately, I mean, Sweet, Sweetwater uh, last season went to the Class 4A Division One state championship game. Fortunately, you, you've had an open date to prepare for them. What, what are expectations heading into that game on Friday? Uh, well, you know, it, it, it's the second part in a season, you know, and, and most coaches who, who run with the philosophy of knowing that there's three seasons within a season. You know, we've had our preseason. That's season one. This is the second part of our season, and – you know, of course, you know, talking with a guy earlier, you know, the newspaper guy, and he kind of brought up the same topic, dealing with a team like Sweetwater, who I think they'll make they'll make anybody's list when you look at some of the traditions in West Texas and in terms of perennial, you know, you know state playoff contenders. And, and I think Sweetwater is on that list. You know, they are 
you know, we last week we just really went back to the drawing board for us. We didn't spend a lot of time just trying to make sure that we focused on on Sweetwater. We spent a lot of time focusing on us. This week, you know, we'll spend some time looking at Sweetwater and what they're doing. But uh, I mean, it, it's it's knowing what we're going against. You know, we respect them. No, no doubt about it. You know, oh, uh, you know, Ben over there is doing an excellent job watching them on film, and we had a chance to go out and see them in person last week in Pecos. And, uh, man, I tell you what, they're, they're a team who understand how to play this game, and they are coached well. And, and so they're the measuring stick along with some of the other teams in 2-4-A, for sure. He's Coach Rodney Sims. Coach, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it, and, and best of luck Friday and the rest of the way. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you guys taking time with me. That's good stuff from Coach Sims. Yeah, uh, really good interview with him. I thought uh, just the way they're able to kind of turn things around in the last couple or in this last year even has been phenomenal. You know, uh, when he talks a little bit about changing up the offensive style and being able to be successful offensively, because if you look at their past games and their wins, they're putting up 40 plus points. That's very impressive from a team that struggled last year to win a game. And now, you know, they're entering district, as, as he talked about, against Sweetwater, really good team. But it was good to have him on. We really appreciate his time, and uh, good luck to the Tornadoes moving forward. Now, another team with a first-year coach, uh, this team is struggling. It's, it's friendship. Uh, but this week might be um, a turning point because they're going up against a winless Midland team. Someone's going to walk away from this game with some confidence in, in District 2-6A um, ahead of running the, rest, the, the remainder of this gauntlet because there are three unbeaten teams in that league right now. Yeah, uh, this game is going to be very important for either team because you're already in district. It's It's been rough for both teams, and obviously you want to find something to build off of. A win right now is definitely that, something to build off of for either team, Midland High or Friendship. Uh, they both shared in some adversity, and I coming into this one, I got to feel like they're going to be playing their best games against each other because nobody wants to remain undefeated and everybody wants to get that first win and start building on something positive. Now, one game that's intriguing, despite the records of the two teams coming in, I think, is Denver City, which is 4-1, and one, hosting Idaloo, which is 1-4. and four. I think that this game presents some really good matchups for, for Idaloo. Yeah, Denver City's having a good season uh, from last year. And talking with the coach at the beginning of the season – uh, there was a lot of good things to be said about the team coming into this year, and turns out he was right. That team last year, as soon as uh, Daniel Fontenot took over, uh, he was mentioning that they were kind of on the younger side. They were still learning s some systems and everything, but they were inexperienced. Now, coming into this year, you look at that team that had that inexperience from last year, you add a year of varsity uh, play and now you got yourself a football team and they definitely prove that they can go out there and compete sitting at four and one they've beat some uh, pretty good they won some pretty good games uh, it, it's this might be a tough one for Idaloo I don't think uh, Denver City's like I said and I guess kind of hinting towards is not the same team that it was last year um, Idaloo has been struggling but we'll see if they can kind of get back on track and give Denver City a game and maybe you know start that path down success Kind of like referenced in the shallow water Estacado game, I think that the key for um, the Wildcats is going to be hanging on to the football, and we know that they can do that with, with Mark Caballero. They've done that in, in almost every game. I mean, uh, last week they ran into a mule shoe team with um, quarterback Michael Lozano, who got his first start 
ran for 300 yards. Uh, it seems like it's it's more of a defensive issue than than an offensive. But if the offense can hang on to the ball in this one, I think that they've got a real fighter's chance in this one. I would agree with that. It might, it might be a defensive issue. Uh, offensively, we, we've known that they've had their weapons or they've had their players that could compete and could do big things for them. Uh, when you mentioned that Miyoshu game, yeah, uh, defense gave up quite a bit. And uh, it was it, it'll be interesting to see how Idalu kind of responds to that because every week uh, you can kind of pinpoint any little thing that you need to work on after every game. You want to do it before the season even starts, but when you get into this position, you're still doing so, then you might be working on defense a little bit more this week and maybe, like you said, possession, keeping hold of that ball, uh, running some plays that are going to eat up the clock and – and this might turn into uh, kind of what we were talking about with Estacado Shallow Water. If you can keep the ball in your hands and out of your opponents, then in this occasion you might just end up with a win and you know start the or continue to build on something good. Now it's been a really good non-district schedule for Idaho, despite the outcomes. Denver City's a, a 4A program and, and Idaho's a, a small 3A. I mean, this is a team that played shallow water, and while you didn't think that shallow water was going to be that great heading into the season, it turns out they're pretty great. You know, they've, they've played little field, they've played post, they're heading into Denver City. Uh, they should be ready to go when district play gets going. I think so, and that's one of the things I think we were we, we were talking about on one of our shows was that their their preseason or their you know non district schedule is difficult. It was difficult, and it might pay off in district. And I think this this team is coached well enough, and I think they're disciplined enough to turn these losses into wins come district time. Um, that game against Post, they proved that they could score on a team that was, you know, shutting some people out. I don't know the whole circumstances under what happened in that game, but um, they. I, I foresee them having more success in district. And like we were mentioning, sometimes coaches set up these tough uh, non-district schedules to prepare you for district because whenever you get there, it's kind of – it feels more like a breeze maybe <laughs> just walking through. That's exactly right. You see a lot of teams in the late rounds with, with four losses and you wonder how they're there. Well, you know, they, they scheduled up in, in non-district play and I, I think that Idaho did that, you know, the, dipping down to, to play post – uh, going all the way up to, to 4A to play Denver City. They're, they're looking for the best competition. Each team has presented something a little bit different that might pay dividends down the road, but it is getting late, and I think that they they would love to have another win, obviously, and I think that they might need another win for for confidence. Yeah, that's, that's going to be big. It's going to be big. You know, kind of looking at their district right now, um, it, it, it starts next week. So you want the confidence. You want that. You want to be able to feed off of a win. And as cheesy as it may sound or, you know, uh, everybody says it, feed off a win, you know, gain momentum. It's a real thing. It's a real thing when you go out there and you're on the field and you're feeling confident, you play better. It's just part of the the football atmosphere, if you will. And if Idaho can kind of gain, gain that before they start district next week, then I, I see them making – making a statement there in uh, district. But uh, now a little bit less about Idaho, a little bit more about Denver City. Denver City is also going to turn around and start district next week, and they got Brownfield. If they can get some moment, more momentum going, rather, then 
I think they have a pretty good chance in that district slate as well. I think so too. Uh, the schedule's been pretty good for Denver City. Yeah, when it comes down to it, uh, they've played some pretty impressive teams, I think. Uh, and m- some of the wins have become really close, some, you know, by far bigger margin. Uh, but I'm kind of excited to see what both teams are able to bring to the table come district time because at the beginning of the season, and uh, I, I, can't, I hate going back to the beginning of the season because so much has changed since then, but I thought Idaho was a playoff contender and Denver City had a big question mark on. And now, you know, I'm, I'm, my confidence is in Denver City. And with Idaho, it hasn't, my confidence hasn't swayed at all. I still think they're going to do well in district. So I'm, I'm excited to see these two teams go head-to-head. And that's actually my game. So I get to travel out to Denver City and uh, check out both teams before they head into district. And that's going to do it for games this week. Just want to remind everyone about what's coming up on LoneStarVarsity.com and what already has come up. We had a coaches show uh, with uh, Hale Center coach Adam Cummings yesterday. I thought that I thought that turned out pretty well, and you got a little bit insight on the Owls, a little bit insight on District Two, Two A Division One as a whole, which we think is probably uh, the most competitive league, top to bottom, in the area this year. Outside of Four Five A, I think Two Two A is another one that you need to take a look at. What was it? Four teams sitting at four and zero coming four, in. Four teams: Sundown, Hale Center. New Deal and Abernathy, the reigning Region 1 champion of uh, 2A Division 1. When it comes to Class 2A out in this area, I mean, that's impressive. Uh, I think any one, of the, any one of those teams could potentially see themselves uh, battling out for that district championship. So, so Coach Cummings broke down his film uh, from a 29-21 win against Bobina. Uh, tomorrow we're going to make picks on these games on the uh, Lone Star Varsity preview show on Facebook Live. So get on Facebook like the Lone Star Varsity page, and you'll get pinged when we go live, which should be in the 7 o'clock hour on Wednesday. And then Thursday, not a whole lot's happening. Uh, we're, we're working hard on our football previews. We'll have all the recaps up Friday evening around uh, the midnight to 12.30 a.m. range on, on Saturday. And then we will be back with a uh, – uh, actually, we'll, we'll have the uh, Facebook Live postgame show on Friday as well on, on the Facebook site. And then Saturday, uh, we'll get some sleep and we'll uh, expand a little on our thoughts on on this week's action. We really appreciate you guys uh, hanging out with us today. Once again, this show is brought to you by the University Medical Center and powered by AJ Media.